Welcome everyone to LaRouge Rugby, where we're going to sit in traffic for three hours just to watch some rugby. Uh, thank you everyone for listening today. My name is Dan Murphy and with me always is Derek Brissett. Derek, how are you feeling? You know, we, we, we've had some time to think about what happened over the weekend. We've gotten some news. Where are you right now in your headspace with all this? Well, first of all, I think we only sat in traffic for three hours because you refused to listen to Waze for 85% of the journey. I don't even know what Waze is. You See, and... I don't I, even know what that is. A less, lesson to everybody else. Don't let somebody that know, doesn't know what Waze is navigate and drive you somewhere. It's the last time I drive Derek anywhere. This is it. Yeah. Thanks for the ride, by the way. That did. Yeah, whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> lovely vehicle. Lovely, lovely vehicle. Lovely... Uh, the music <laughs> our was was excellent. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. My uh yeah, my little hatchback. Uh so we're going to get right into it because uh we just experienced a uh very up and down roller coaster match in Hamilton. Uh Derek was there uh doing his 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 uh media man up in the press box and I was slumming it in the in the stands with the fans. Mm. Um Canada lost to Leinster, 38 to 35, and a heartbreaker, you know, 80-minute try. It, it was a really, really interesting game, uh, and, I, and I think the best way someone described it was that it was a tale of two halves. Uh, Derek, did you feel that way? Did you feel like at the second half it was a brand-new game, like a different team came onto the pitch? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the, the scoreboard itself illustrates that. Um... Yeah, uh, the first 20 minutes from Canada um, was awful um, when they went and, like, and you know, to get down 19 nothing super early in the game. Uh, really slow start. The opening kickoff, they, like, they let it bounce. Um, you know, it's the, that one thing that you're, not, like, never supposed to do is let the ball drop, right? And it's, like, that's how you started the game, um, which, you know, so, I don't know, maybe just set the tone. Uh, Leinster really... Uh, really good squad, obviously, um, and they, you know, they took Canada took some penalties early in the game, and Leinster uh, made them pay for it, um, as Leinster's going to do to basically every team that they come up against. Um, they, you know, to, I thought I felt that toward the end of the first half, though, Canada definitely started to pick up their play. Um, obviously, they ended the half on a really positive note with the Evan Olmstead try, which was happened on a super interesting sequence. Uh, we can dive into that a little bit more in a second. Um, but, um, but yeah, so they had that happen. Um, th yeah, the second half, though, um, like, you know, all of a sudden, like, the backs, like, found their gears. Um, you know, they were able to create a lot of space. There was a lot of that, um, that second parfait try with, like, Blevins and DTH just doing, like, the give-and-go thing was beautiful. Um, that was a... That was a great play. Um, you know, Tyler Ardron picked up a, a try off the first phase from a scrum. Like, that was uh, that was also excellent. Um, the the line-out, which was pretty much awful in the first half, um, they made – they uh, you know, they didn't do what they did against Fiji. They didn't try – you know, they didn't look at the awful first half and was like, let's just keep doing that. They made – um, they made adjustments, and the the lineout started to click in the second half too. Um, at the very least, they weren't they weren't uh, getting they weren't losing lineouts, um, their own lineouts, anyways. 
Um, so like that was obviously a positive. There's a lot of a lot of second half adjustments there um, that uh, the coaching staff and the players made. Um, and yeah, like they looked like a completely different team. Um, it's the same thing. It's like it's almost similar to like what happened in the game against Tonga, um, where you know like the first half they weren't very good. Second half they came out like guns blazing, you know, and actually and made that game made the game against Tonga really tight as well. Um, uh, so it's I, I yeah I don't know um, yeah I yeah two half tale of two halves but the ideal way to sum this up. Um, it's unfortunate though that the uh, you know the last five minutes of the game were kind of ended up being all Leinster, um, and they ended up with the uh, you know the game winning uh, Hugo Keenan got the game winning try on the final play of the game, but um, you know basically the uh, the thirty eighth minute to the you know seventy fifth minute um, Canada looked great, and I think one thing that really stood out for me is. There just seemed to be a lot of panic on Canada's behalf in a lot of different ways. Um, a lot came from uh, a lot from coming from the ruck, you know, the ball coming out from the nine. I don't think Gordon McRory had a very good game. No. Any sense of the way. And even in that second half, I think that he no. benefited from hit the backs really uh, holding him up. Um, I think Tyler Ardron had a horrible half. Uh, there was a few times where, where, and again, we're talking about simple things that are happening, you know, when you're the eight man and you're picking and going, you're normally just supposed to pick the side that goes that has the most position or uh, most players on the side. And there was a couple times he didn't do that, and there was a couple times he knocked the ball on. There was one of Lancer's tries where he actually made an amazing play, caught a deflection, and then proceeded to fire the ball out, and the ball was intercepted, and they scored. You know, a lot of, and it's not just him. I'm picking on him, but you know. DTH got hurt earlier in the game, and I thought that he was going to be done because he looked like he was struggling for a good chunk of that first half. And it just seemed, especially with the lineup too, panic. Like, it's trying to do too much, trying to really get Leinster on their edge, and they're moving, to, you know, jumpers and, and, and lifters are just switching positions, and it just didn't seem simple. And I understand maybe why, because we've harped on them for making things too simple. Sometimes, you know, when their game against Fiji, it was predictable. But I think there's a difference between predictable and uh, simple. So I, I agree with you. Once they kind of calmed down, I mean, having uh, a flanker after that yellow card was handed out, throwing the balls in definitely helped gain some confidence in your line out. Uh, yeah, that was that was such a like that was such a weird sequence. Um and like to, to to be honest with you, like I didn't notice it live. I noticed it when I went to write my match report and kind of looked back on the tries. But um, but yeah. So uh, essentially, if you haven't actually seen it yet, um, basically what happens is so the hooker, uh, Brian Byrne for Leinster gets a yellow card in the thirty eighth minute. Um, for essentially just for repeat infractions, nothing crazy, but he jogs off the field and Leinster doesn't put a hooker on to replace him at all. Um, which as the play, as Canada, as the play moves on, um, Canada ends up or Canada, uh, DTH. This is the play where Taylor Paris made that really sweet, like tip pass to DTH on the sidelines. 
and then uh, DTH was hit out of in the touch by the three Leinster players, um, which was a great defensive play and coverage by the uh, Leinster defense. I would have been a sick try if it, he was able to get all the way there, but it was good defense. And Taylor Paris's pass was unreal. Um, but when that lineup, when the ball hits out of bounds and Leinster starts setting up the lineup, they still don't send a hooker onto the field. So Max Deegan, their flanker, actually ends up being the guy that throws the ball in. Um, and then he overthrows it uh, where Lucas Rumble, who I thought had a great game as well, um, Lucas Rumble picks up the ball and just guns it for the try line. A couple phases later, eventually Olmstead um, crosses the line. Um, but that I think I think like that play, like that sequence there, um, ended up being like a really big turning point in the game because that won that yellow card, um, that weird instance with a flanker throwing in a lineup ball, and then. Um, and then, like, Olmstead's try as a result of that flanker overthrowing the lineup ball to, as a way to end the half. So Canada comes out um, for the second half, and they kind of came out with guns blazing a little bit. They uh, no, they were held up over the line. They had the five-meter scrum where Ardron scored right off of. Um, so, like, you know, it was good on Canada to turn that yellow card into 14 points. And, uh, you know, that was, I think that was a massive turning point in the game. Gave them a, looked like it gave them, like, a lot of confidence and stuff as well. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I think that Rumble did have a really strong game as well. I think that is a good point. You know, and I think it comes down to it is the usual suspects for Canada had strong games, you know. <laughs> DTH, Olmstead, Arndron, Rumble, uh, Taylor okay. Pierce, I, I thought was just a, played fantastic. You know, this was his first first match for Canada yes. since, since uh, uh, the Repershage tournament. So it's been a while. So it's been a while for him. So I really enjoyed watching him play. You know, he was not afraid to get in there and really uh, drive uh, possession by by running hard. Yeah. Um, Parfrey had another really good game too. Oh yeah, sorry, man of the match. Yeah, Patrick yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, just him, just him, yeah, just him. Yeah, and he's something that that we actually want to talk about as well. Is do you think that he has cemented himself as as the fifteen? I mean. It's hard to look at that performance and say anyone else could take that spot. I mean, Theo Sauter didn't really get a whole lot of time yeah. to play, and he was only on the defensive side, which really isn't his strongest side. So, you know, like so it's yeah. now his jersey to hold on to for now. I think, I, you know, that's one of those things, right? It's like it's tough to – like you never really necessarily want to see guys like – I think going into this, if Theo Sauter didn't get hurt playing for the Arrows, he probably is the first guy you look at in the 15 jersey. Yeah. But because he hasn't been able to play essentially up until now, um, I think Parfrey maybe kind of jumped on like an opportunity here. And it's like it's not like a knock or anything against Theo Sauter. No. It's just Parfrey's playing out of his mind right now. Um, especially, you know, that second half against – or that – it's not even the second half, the 20 minutes he played against Tonga, um, where he was, you know, directly involved in, like, th all three of their second-half tries. Um, it was, like, he was insanely good. You know, he had a big try in, uh, you know, he had a, uh, two tries to, uh, against Leinster. Um, like, both of them, were, like, were really nice. He just, you know, he just has a great ability to read the play and know when to jump into the attack. Um, you know, so he obviously he... 
you know, kind of outran and outmuscled some Leinster defenders on his first try. Um, the second try was, you know, a lot of uh, was a lot of Blevins and DTH um, with a really nice, well, with a lot of really nice work to, uh, you know, advance the ball up the field on the give and go. But by the time, like Parfrey hits the line perfectly, and there's no Leinster player that's even in a remotely in a position to stop him. Um, so and I I think that you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, we don't. You know, you go to last ep- last week's episode, and and we were singing praises of Theo Sauter and how I was really excited to watch him play. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, Derek, is how did you feel about uh, Kingsley Jones's bench usage? Because there was a few guys like Phil Mack and uh, Shane O'Leary that didn't see the field at all. Do you think that was a smart strategy? I mean, you name a twenty-eight man roster, and then you only use essentially a regular bench. Yeah, they use. There is. Let me look here. Uh, Shepard, Campbell, Mac, O'Leary, Trainer, all did not play in this game. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's uh, you know, like it's it's it was interesting. Um, especially like if you, especially too, like when you look at the other side. Um, and you know, like this, this was a game, um, where you were allowed to use rolling subs too. So you like Leinster, um, put a lot of guys back on the field after, um, so that, um, you know, uh, so essentially almost all but one, uh, Leinster had one sub that didn't actually end up playing, but, uh, nearly all their starters, uh, I believe all their starters, hold on, let me just double check this. Yeah. All their starters came off at least once, um, though. Um, so, like, there was a couple of that's for, like, HIAs and stuff, too. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Um, I think... And, and, and sorry, the, and here's my, my point to bringing this up is because you're not in the same situation as Leinster. I mean, no. the guys coming off, coming off of uh, the bench for Canada, they're all pros. I mean, other than Connor Trainer, almost all those guys have been playing professional rugby this past year in some capacity you know or or just have caps there are these guys in connor trainer have all been playing for canada and playing pro rugby it's not like they're they're they could be starting in any of these games you know uh, and they have been starting in the, in the pacific nations cup you know so so it's it's tough for me to not justify putting these guys on 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 the field just to get some fresh legs out there because i mean we we know what you know these guys can offer especially guys like phil mack and um and um mike shepherd that are just spark plugs and and are a great boost of energy especially if you're on the defensive side of the ball those guys are willing to make big tackles you know i, I think a part of it too though is i think you kind of get uh i don't know i think it kind of helps with you know canada's preparing for the world cup and they got to you know, I think I think Leinster was kind of went into this game and like kind of looked at it as like you know it's a game against an international side, but they're still trying to just you know they're preparing for their like the Pro 14, um, right? And I think Canada was kind of looking at this as you know we're just a few weeks out from starting the World Cup, and you know you got to like nailed. I think I think this I think that Canada was more trying to treat it like a test match. Um, in that sense, um, but I do kind of agree. Like, if you're gonna name, uh, you know, a 28 man roster, it's like maybe use it. Uh, you know, you might as well utilize it. But I think, 
like I think they were kind of trying to go with that test match feel, um, which I mean, with a lot of these guys, like you know, Piffero didn't come on until the seventy eighth minute. Um, Souter and Cole came on the seventy fourth. Heaton came on in the seventy first. Um, so that's most of their subs. Other like I mean, other than you know, Sears Duru came on in the fifty first um, for Biden's, but that, that was initially a blood sub, and then he just didn't come back on. Back on. Um, but, but yeah, like they didn't really, you know, Justin Blanchett came on in the 53rd. Um, but yeah, like it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I feel like they were trying to, you know, simulate some form of a test match atmosphere, test match feel, which is maybe why they didn't, you know, utilize the ability to maybe go with rolling subs to the extent that Leinster did. Um, so that, I, yeah, but I think you kind of, Kingsley Jones has kind of showed that, you know, this might, essentially with those 15 guys on the field, it's like, that might be the 15 guys you see take the field for the first World Cup game against Italy. Because um, I, I feel like the way that this game played out with very few of them coming off, um, it, I think it kind of shows that Kingsley has a lot of, like, faith in these guys. Had a lot of faith in them to hopefully, you know, to close out the game. Um, and I like, you know, especially I think it's kind of telling that, you know, like Phil Mack didn't even come on. They just he had McCrory the entire game. Yeah. Um, played all 80 minutes. Um, so, I mean, this McCrory's uh, when we get to Japan, McCrory's probably the scrum half. Um, so I, I think I think Kingsley Jones is just getting closer to nailing down. Uh, his actual 15 guys that he wants to start. Um, and yeah, like the 20, the full 23 man squad and then the extended squ- uh, squad for the actual tournament. Um, you know, the, I, I feel like from what I saw in this game, I just think it seems like Kingsley Jones is getting close to uh, nailing down the actual squad that he wants. And again, folks, you know, we're, we are speculating, you know, we don't have Kingsley Jones, on speed dial, we're not texting them, Snapchatting them, asking them where the roster updates are. But you know, it, it, Derek makes a good point. I mean, why else would Rory or Gordon uh, be making these starts, right? So it'll be interesting to see. You know, first game Italy, or even in the U.S. game in a few weeks, if if if, if McRory starts. Um, yeah, we'll it, it'll be very very interesting. You know, maybe he, he picks. Picks Mac because Max played against a good amount of these guys and played with a good amount of these guys the last two years and coached some of these guys. So you know, like he's he's got the familiarity with the the Americans. So maybe that's where he goes. Uh, we'll see. We will see for sure. You know, the last thing I want to talk about this game because it is such a strange loss. You know, it was a roller coaster match. Canada really, really showed both sides of what Canada rugby is. It can be very free-flowing, aggressive, uh, fun to watch, but it can also be like smacking your head against a cement wall. Where do we? What positives can you take from this game, Derek? You know, it's it's hard to, you know, put those into words, but you know, we still have two more warm-up matches and then the actual World Cup. So. If you're Kingsley Jones, you've got your rugby Canada hat on, what can you take from this game and say, okay, we didn't get the win, but... Yeah, I think, um, you know, 
they went down 19 nothing super early in the game and i think like you know the ability to you know fight back um to eventually take the lead in the game i think is you know i think that was huge for canada that's probably a lot of confidence boost um another thing um so canada um in the first two games against the uh the americans and fiji uh sorry the first two games of the pacific nations cup um they combined for four tries um which isn't that many tries in two games um but over the last but even ignoring essentially the first half against tonga um uh hassler scores a try in the final minute the 39th minute i believe of um of the game against tonga so if you even ignore that first half against tonga canada has nine tries in the last 121 minutes of rugby that they've played um which you know they're like it like they're starting to the back especially in this game too uh you know the back line looked like it was starting to click really well um tyler ardron mentioned the commitment on defense uh, which Canada did look good on defense at, uh, at many points during this game. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Bailey had the uh, the great charge down um, that uh, to create a try there. Yeah, so that was a really nice play. So I think like I think they can be happy with that. I think they can honestly be happy with the fact that you know uh, the the lineout sucked to start the game, and then they were able to make adjustments and you know they stopped losing their own lineouts. Um, you know, like the, as opposed to when, you know, when we recorded this podcast after the Fijian game, we're just sitting there being like, you know, like harping on that one instance where they ran the same play five times in a row, even though it didn't work. Um, so I think things like that are getting better. Um, speaking to Tyler Ardron after the game in his post-match uh, media availability, he basically highlighted two things that need to get better. Um, which was um, the offense, um, and excuse me, specifically um, that he thought you know they needed to you know hold on to the ball a little bit more um, in order to you know help the defense not make as many tackles. And the scrum um, was on the two areas that he kind of focused on that needs to be improved. Um, the, yeah, like the offense, uh, you know, Canada has been criticized at box kicking a little too much. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that I think Ardron himself would really like to see, uh, would like to see change, you know, just holding the ball a little bit more. Um, I think like the one thing I would like to see, you know, if McCrory is going to be the scrum half, I think, I think this game kind of showed that, uh, he needs to pick up his pace a little bit um there was obviously you know i thought there's a lot of handful of people on twitter that were pointing out the uh you know and pointing out and highlighting the moments that uh you know dth decided to take matters into his own hands and, you know, <laughs> uh, this looked like he you know like you know and t- beat uh beat mccrory to the ball at the rock in order you know did some pick and goes and stuff sometimes the second time dth does that though mccrory's nowhere near the rock um, like it's like, like DTH is on top of the ball and McCrory is like trying to sprint to it. Um, but I think like, you know, the, the final, the final, uh, play, obviously Leinster ends up with the try at the end of the game. Um, but, you know, but prior to that, Canada has the ball well in hand 
And they're clearly just in the eat the clock, pick and goes, win rucks, uh, win rucks, just chew away at the clock mode, and which is fine. Um, but then, you know, McCrory comes over to the ruck and just kind of stands over the ball for one. And Leinster sort of pushed back, but McCrory eventually gets the ball out. Then on the next ruck, though, Olmsted and Bailey are there holding the ruck. Um, they stop, you know, Josh Murphy makes the tackle. Um, he kind of pops back up, kind of gives Olmstead a little bit of a shove and then backs off, just, I guess, thinking that maybe he's lost this. Then McCrory just kind of sits there and waits, to which Josh Murphy was just like, all right, fine. And, it's like, and then knocks Olmstead off the ruck um, back into McCrory, to which three other Leinster players come in and absolutely clean out Kyle Bailey after to get the ball back. And it was just like, you know, McCrory was just standing over the ball, which gave a Leinster guys the time to, even after they couldn't win the counter ruck the first time, it gave them like a second, it gave them a second opportunity to try to counter ruck. Like that's how long he was standing over the ball for. Um, and then obviously Leinster never gave Canada the ball back and Hugo Keenan won the game on the last play. Um, so I think, I think, you know, especially in that situation, like I know you're trying to kill the clock, but you still kind of got to take care of the ball. Um, so it would have been nicer to, you know, see him try to get that out earlier instead of just waiting on top of it. Um, so I think that's something they got to kind of try to work on more. I think Ardron's right. They got to do a better job of holding on to the ball. Um, we've we've talked about in the past, you know, the the times where guys just try like the random grubber kicks and stuff. Um, so I think, you know, that, like, but it's stuff, it's stuff that's fixable. Um, the scrum, obviously at the world cup, um, you got to go up against the all blacks and the spring box and the scrum. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking so, about it in a minute. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Um, but it is something that they got to work on. I mean, the, the lineouts look like they're getting a lot better. Hopefully, you know, they can do some work and get the scrum looking a lot sharper as well. Um, those are the two big areas. One area that I really harped on after the Tonga game was how bad the kicking, the conversion kicking was, um, which they, they didn't hit a single conversion in that game. So I definitely will shout out um, Peter Nelson for rocking the perfect five for five. Um and I think, you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, and I think this game also kind of shows. It's, like, it's it's huge. Like, you know, uh, Leinster, Leinster want to combine four for six. But, you know, Canada, you know, it, it ended up being, you know, at the end of the game, Leinster needed a try to win that game. Um, they, they needed that try because, you know, three points isn't enough. And, you know, if, if that's, you know, if that comes down to, you know, you miss one or two of those, Leinster's just looking for a penalty to set up and, like, and, you know, go for the post or whatever, but you're forcing them to go for a try. Um, hopefully next time they come up with the stop on defense. Um, but yeah, uh, but I think, I think Arjun's right. Those are the two biggest areas that they need to work on. Um, and hopefully, and then, yeah. And then I would add to Arjun's thing, the pace of play sometimes. I think, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, McCrory can kind of look at that and be like, you know, maybe gets better next week. Um, game against the BC All-Stars, so we'll see what the uh, the squad actually ends up looking like for that too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, they extended their their roster, and, and I, my belief is to kind of 
have a roster that's kind of the B squad to, to play this BC All Stars team, and maybe we'll see see either uh, um, Jamie McKenzie or Phil Mack with a s- faster speed of pace, and maybe that changes Kingsley's mind for the U.S. game. Uh, I definitely agree with you uh, with with in terms of timing and and speed of of their their attack. You know, it makes it makes it harder for the defense to set up when when you're constantly guessing how the scrum half is going to react. And I feel like, and, and this might be part of it. I think that with Gordon McRory bouncing between nine and ten, nine and ten, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard for him to kind of be able to work on a certain skill set and say, "This is what I want to work on." Uh, and I feel like with with guys like McKenzie and Mac, you know, they are nines. I know, I know, uh, McRory has been a nine. He was at nine for the last World Cup, but I just feel like these guys are a little bit sharper in terms of flow of the game. Yeah, and I think you know that was something too. I got to you know as part of the weekend, I actually got to interview uh, Leo Cullen, the Leinster head coach, and you know when he talked about when he was talking about you know what he the way he wants to play rugby, the first thing he mentioned was hold on to the ball. Um, you know, that was like the way that he wanted to play was, you know, have the up-tempo thing, let the let the backs kind of just go to work and let them run, uh, which they Leinster showed a few times in this game. They ran, um, you know, after a turnover, um, they, they like Leinster in the shadow of their own goalposts ran the ball out to be on into the Canadian territory. Um, you know, they just, you know, with, uh, you know, control the ball through their hands. They got it out wide to the backs. They worked it back in, um, you know, a few good rucks and have guys in support. But they ran, in order to gain territory on Canada, they ran the ball. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, Canada kind of plays a little bit of a different style. But I think, you know, like watching Leinster, it's not like that style of play does work pretty well, um, you know, and... I think, yeah, I think, too, with the, the 9 and 10s. I think if Patrick Parfrey continues to play as well as he does, um, I know earlier we've been talking about how because he can is so versatile off – he's such a versatile player, he can play so many of the back positions that he's almost an ideal guy to come off the bench because if anybody gets hurt or for whatever reason you want to make a substitution, he can go into any spot. Um but with the way he's been playing at a fullback, he one he's been way better than Peter Nelson at fullback, um, in especially within the last two games. Um, so I feel like, uh, and you know Theo Souter hasn't really had a chance yet. But hopefully he does soon. Um, but I think if Parfrey, if um, Kingsley Jones likes Parfrey enough to be the fullback, um, uh, come Japan. Uh, I think Peter Nelson's going to end up being the 10, which is going to push Shane O'Leary, um, you know, at the very least to the bench. And then I think if you if that ends up happening, McCrory's going to end up being the scrum half. Um, so I think I, I, I genuinely do think this is kind of going to be, you know, somewhat similar to what the, that lineup is going to be when we play Italy. And you know what? We, we will see... Uh... Again, two more games left for Canada while they still are in Canada. Uh, next match is on the 30th uh, in BC against the BC All-Stars. We're going to move on now. Uh, and one of the things we want to do to preview the World Cup is kind of talk about uh, the other countries in Canada's pool 
and kind of give a little quick little recap about some of this some of the announcements and players that we liked and uh we're going to start because their rosters just came out the last couple days uh the all blacks and the spring box now it's not any surprise to anybody these two teams are heavily favored uh to uh win the world cup all blacks are uh, the last winner they're the all blacks they've they won the last two years uh but the spring box have really come on in the last year uh Tying the, the All Blacks in the, uh, the the rugby championship and winning the rugby championship. So we're going to start with the All Blacks, Derek. Um, who was there? Anyone cut that really surprised you um, from the All Blacks? I mean, I'm not gonna. I I don't think I'm gonna sound like I'm offering some like crazy like in depth analysis when I'm just gonna jump on, you know, what everybody is talking about with uh, Nagani. Uh, Luampe not making the team. Um, so if anybody hasn't actually looked at the all-black squad, uh, their, midf- their midfielders in the centers, we have Ryan Crotty, Jack Goodhue, Anton Leonard-Brown, and Sonny Bill Williams, uh, which is very interesting, um, mainly because like that's, that's some guys there have really been dealing with a lot of injuries, and uh, Luampe is playing outstanding. Um, so it is an interesting one. Um, it kind of reminded me, and I saw like some, you know, the quotes from Steve Hansen just talking about, you know, the experience that, you know, Crotty and, uh, uh, Crotty and Williams can bring to the team. This kind of like reminds you of, you know, when you're trying to get like a job right out of school and everyone's like, it's like, yeah, but the other guys have like more experience than you. And you're just like, well, how am I supposed to get experience if you don't let me like play or whatever? <laughs> Um, so it's kind of like it comes it, that's almost sort of what it feels like. Um, I mean, the one thing, you know, also, obviously, you know, Owen Franks are uh, being uh, not being part of the squad as well. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things, though, man, like you kind of look at the All Blacks and you see some of the guys that do get cut. And it's like especially with um, Luampe here, he's um how, like how many teams at the World Cup does he start on? Um, you know, like if, if I could send him a Canadian passport right now, um, I would definitely do it. Um, but um, well, you can kind of live in my that's basement. How, I don't believe that's how that works, though. Um, but but like it, it the All Blacks the All Blacks are insane. Um, there's always going to be somebody that's cut. Um, even if you cut. Like, Sonny Bill Williams would be going, like, oh, oh my God, Sonny Bill Williams got cut from the All Blacks if he plays. Future um, Toronto Wolfpack, Sonny uh, Bill Williams. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I, I agree with you, and, it, and it's that's just the nature of the All Blacks. You know, they, they've got guys on their team that that deserve it and guys that are not going to be on their team that also that very much deserve don't may very much deserve to be on that team but um who was a happy surprise or who was someone on the team uh that did get named that you are happy about man it's i i i don't know uh george bridge i like at uh you know on the outside backs there he had some uh he's had some really good games lately um i think you know they they named the uh the fly hat the first five eights as they call it in new zealand the fly half Looking at a fly half combo of Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga is um, 
so yeah so canada you know traditionally we're we, you know like you know one of those tier two nations playing the all blacks at the world cup we usually get a, a little bit of the the b squad i guess and it's just looking at it it's like oh yeah it'll be richie muanga that starts against canada yeah um, at fly half so that's terrifying um, it depends on where they put uh it's true they end, end up putting bowden barrett you know he's been playing 15 he's been playing 10 it's like yeah well so- i mean on the on the All Blacks website, with the official, with the announcement, they have him listed as ten. Interesting. Um, so they, they okay. actually have him, him and Moanga. Moanga um, are the the two tens. Well, it's interesting. If anyone wants, fun. if anyone wants to watch an interesting video, especially with what we're talking about, uh, Squidge Rugby just put out a video about um, are the All Blacks as good as they've ever been, and one of the things he talks about is how they've been preparing their squad, and they did it in the last cycle before the 2015 world cup is what they did is they 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 had like multiple versions of different teams and it was all blended in you know with starters with with new blood and and i think they've been doing that with richie mwanga this cycle is having him play in important test matches as the 10 so when he does go into a situation playing a country like canada he's been in high test matches already with some of these guys so he won't look as you know fresh as as uh, someone else would expect. Um, but a couple of guys that I'm excited to watch. Uh, you know, being a Canadian rugby fan, I watched a lot of Chiefs this year with Ardron on on the team. So I'm really excited to watch uh, Sevu Reese. Uh, he had a really strong rugby championship, and he was just a blast to watch on the Chiefs. Um, also, uh, Luke Jacobson, who's pretty young, he actually only has one test. Uh, to his name, and that's from this last American or this last rugby championship, and it was against Argentina. So he he was kind of a surprise name that uh, no one really not that they didn't believe it, but it was quite a, quite a shock to some people. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Another chief that uh, I enjoyed watching. So a couple of guys that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Now I will admit to myself, Derek. So you'll have to probably carry this part. I'm not as familiar with South Africa's roster. So who was someone that, that you really saw maybe that got cut or maybe that you're looking forward to watch from this roster? Yeah, I think like looking forward to watch definitely uh Andre Pollard. Uh, that's, uh, you know, he's one of the best fly halves in the world at the moment. Um, you know, one of the guys that has a little bit of the, you know, less, less caps, um, their winger um, plays for the Sharks, Sibu uh, Nikosi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm not completely sure, to be honest with you. Um, he's been unreal the last uh, few weeks, especially during the rugby championship. Uh, really fast, powerful winger um, who has an outstanding finishing touch. Um, so that's definitely, you know, one of those players that I'll really want to be watching. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, um, Faf de Klerk, one of the more elite um, scrum halves in the world as well. Um, but they they really do have a very, uh, they have a very deep team as well. Um, you, you know, their, their scrum um, is, their scrums, South Africa's scrum, it's outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to have like their, yeah, like, you know, their hookers are, let me just pull this up. Yeah. So their hookers are, you know, shock Brits, Malcolm Marks and Bongi Mo 
sorry, uh, Bonke Mo Bon Embi, um, which you know, like that's that alone, like that's insanely deep. Um, you know, Shock Brits might not get uh, a whole lot of playing time behind the other two guys there. Um, they have a like they. Um, their team is again like it's it is super deep. Um, yeah, admittedly, I'm not too too f- familiar with uh, a lot of the depth guys on their roster, um, but you know, there it's always like the mainstays there. Obviously, at Stabith, see a Colisi is going to captain the squad again. Um, the beast will be at prop. Um, <laughs> the beast might not be starting at prop too. Which is also kind of crazy. And again, that might be a guy that Canada ends up having the, you know, he might end up with, uh, you know, Cole Keith versus the Beast in a, um, at the scrum here. So um, that should be interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know it's a solid solid squad. Obviously, um, you know, it's uh, no surprise um, for either one of these teams that if you were um, you know, betting, probably not betting against Can or probably not uh, betting on Canada um, to win these games. But you know, stranger things have happened. So uh, you know, we'll 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 end up seeing labs. But obviously, they're two extremely good squads as well. So, and you know, it's interesting. I'm just looking at their their roster now. 15 out of the 31 players. Do not play in South Africa. They either play in France or they play uh, in Japan or in England. So it's interesting the contrast between uh, the All Blacks and how they've managed to keep most of their their players, uh, if not all of them, in New Zealand in Super Rugby, yeah. while South Africa has had issues with that. And, and too, yeah, there's there's a lot of sharks and a lot of stormers too. Yeah, yeah. the lions. Lions and Bulls aren't overly well represented on the team, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of sharks. Yeah, so it's always interesting to look at that. Yeah. Um, so we'll yeah. see. We'll be seeing these guys at the World Cup. Uh, they they will definitely be giving Canada the toughest matches of most of these guys' careers. Um, <laughs> what you know uh, to uh, kind of continue to with the group, uh, which is going to kind of lead me to. Uh, I guess a question for you. We'll switch this up. We'll switch the uh, switch the roles up a little. So Namibia, um, they uh, they absolutely crushed the Sharks fifteen um, last weekend. Uh, they won forty three to nothing. Um, granted, the Sharks fifteen, including a lot of guys that maybe uh, got say got cut from the Curry Cup squad, so it's not exactly. The strongest, I mean, it's the Sharks 15, it's not the Sharks. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily the, you know, the strongest squad that the Sharks club can actually put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of leads me to, so like Namibia now as, you know, one of the, one of the, I guess, like the, the worst or the other like lower team in the group. Um, like they're coming into this and they have like a big 43 to nothing win under their belt as they're heading into the world cup here which you know probably hopefully gives them some confidence and stuff so what do you think the canadian roster should be against the bc all-stars and do you think they should be trying to you know put in I, an effort that allows them to maybe crush a team and maybe get have a little bit of confidence going? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted about Italy, this. Italy also has been destroying some teams in the build. Yeah. But there's I, getting some uh, some confidence building games. Yeah, I'm I'm conflicted about this. I, I don't remember what the score against Russia was, but it was. Oh, it was. So, I think up. At, I think into the 70s. Yeah, it looked like you know in Space Jam where it's like just rolls and it's like it's kind of one sided. That's <laughs> what the scoreboard looked. Yeah, I'm conflicted about this. I I understand why you bring this up because. You're right. I think Canada needs some confidence, and I was I was hoping, you know, halfway through the second half, I thought that's what the Leinster game was going to be is a confidence, you know, booster for Canada. Um, the only thing that stops me from saying throw everyone onto the field is if DTH gets injured because Brock Stoller is playing like a monster game and wants to hit everyone with all the muscle he has in his body, and he crushes DTH and he gets hurt and is unable to play in the World Cup, I will be extremely mad. Uh, just for just for a match against the BC All-Stars. If it's against the US, if it's against Uruguay, Argentina, whatever, that's fine. But I think we need to give some of these guys some rest just so. And I also want to see other guys play. Like I, I want to see Connor Trainer kind of prove himself again you know he, he had a rough game against the u.s and then since then has kind of what about uh not been played a whole lot and i want to see more of taylor paris you know he had a strong game but i want him to continue you know i want to see something i want to see some 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 change i want to see if maybe phil mack can play a whole game and, and change jones's mind what about uh jeff hassler <laughs> See, I, I forgot about Hassler too. Yeah, like he's he's didn't play against Leinster, so didn't play against Leinster. I would say, yeah, play Hassler because like someone's gonna have to play against BC. Like that's just the bare bones of it. So I wouldn't be opposed to Hassler playing. Mm. And maybe he wants to play because he's got you know he's he's from BC. Maybe he wants to play in front of some family. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think though, like. I mean, uh, the, obviously, the Leinster game um, was actually like I mean, the second half of it. There's a lot of positives that Canada can take from it. Um, so I'm not really, but I mean, I I really think you know it's I think it's important to kind of pick up a win before going to the World Cup. Um, if the obviously you know guys guys uh, you don't want guys to get hurt. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt. Um, but you know, like you said, it's like somebody could get hurt against the United States next week too. Um, so, but I mean, obviously you kind of want to limit that risk. So maybe Ardron, maybe DTH, maybe don't play, but I still think like, I'd be really be looking to put, to put out a somewhat, you know, a pretty solid roster. Cause I think, you know, I think you really just got to build some confidence, like go get a win Go like I mean honestly like go do what Namibia did go smash a team, um, you know. But I mean the other end of this is obviously got to play this game and it's like what are we gonna do if like Staller like has like three tries or something like, um, which you know I don't necessarily think is gonna happen. But I feel like I feel like Brock Staller being on this team is just you know one of those like added, just like an added little like media story to it. Like I don't know how much Rugby Canada and BC are really worried about that, but you know I think for for the media it's kind of fun to talk about. You know having one of the 
you know, having somebody that got cut, essentially cut from Team Canada before you really had a chance to play, uh, playing for BC. Um, so that should be an interesting one. But I, I, whatever the roster ends up being, I hope, like, I hope they put up, they win this game by like 50 or something. Um, just because they need, they need that confidence going into it. Um, they need that, they need, really need that confidence going into the game against the United States. Um, and then they're going to, they're going to need it to, you know, take, carry them forward to Japan. Um, just, you know, just to, you know, nobody, they, just to be able to go into it with a win in like recent memory, um, with like, you know, your actual group that you're going to the world cup with. Um, yeah. And not, what, what was Canada's last win? Chile? Yep. Is that the last win? It's yeah. the last win. Chile. ARC. Yeah. And, yeah, so, I mean, uh, we should have played Chile in the build-up to the World Cup, smash them. That would have, yeah, that would have been a good game. I would have seen that. Yeah, I, I really do. And, again, this will be my, my struggle for, for up until the roster is announced is, you know, I want – I want that. I, I agree with you. I'm with you. But I, I'm so spooked. You got me spooked a little bit by bringing this up. <laughs> but we will see because no I'm one's sure. Gonna get hurt. No one's going to get hurt. Knock on every piece of wood that you have around you. <laughs> the last thing we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> the last thing we're going to talk about tonight is a little bit of Arrow news. Um, the first one is uh, Cole Keith is signing with the Arrows. Um, with more to come this week. Now, Cole is currently with the World Cup team. Uh, had, a, had a strong uh, presence with, with the Arrows coming either coming off the bench or starting. You know, it's one of those situations where he, he was behind one of the best loose head props in the, in the game, in the MLR. I mean, behind Mitchell's... Ted, my apologies. Um you know, so so he 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 ran with his opportunities that he had. He had a really strong season, so it's great to see him back. Um, the, the Arrows did announce; they didn't exactly announce themse- themselves. He kind of announced it on uh, Instagram, yeah. uh, but they did say that there are more signings coming this week. So uh, we were I was hoping and praying that they would announce it before we were recording here on Wednesday night, but that's that's okay. Uh, Rock's, Rock's just listening to the podcast and he's going to be like, all right, they're done recording. Drop. Send it off. Send it off. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to I ask. I'd be creeped out if Brock's listening to the podcast right now because I don't know how he would be doing that. No. <laughs> uh, one thing I did want to ask you, and it's a quick little question. Thanks for listening, though, Brock, whenever you actually do listen to this. Oh, yeah. Brock's great. He's been a big supporter and we always appreciate him. Um, but my question to you, Derek, is what position can the Arrows benefit the most from getting someone new? You know, we've, we've, we now know that they've, they've kind of bolstered their back line, which is something that a lot of teams have been doing, especially San Diego. Where is another spot where the Arrows could kind of dig in a little bit more with their depth? Because I have, I have an opinion about it, but I wanted to hear yours. Well, I think... Um... You know, I know there's like it depends. I think it ultimately like it's tough to kind of tell at this stage, um, just because you sort of like we haven't seen all the signings or a decent chunk of the signings yet. Um, so like until we really have more concrete info about 
who's you know who's staying and who's going. Um, it's a little bit tough to be like they need this. Yeah. So let's, this assume, one... let's assume. Let's assume. Let's assume that it's, it's, it's the same roster plus the the new additions that they've received. Except maybe we'll say Pat Parfrey because we know that he's going back to school, and we'll yeah. probably say probably say Rob Brower is gone because uh, my assumption is he's probably going to retire after this World Cup cycle. So assume those two guys are gone. Who else? Who, who do you think could? Even if it's just, you know, a position need. Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of... Yeah, I think, you know, there's obviously... The starting 15 for the Toronto Arrows is going to be solid. Um, like, no matter no matter what, no matter who's there. Um, I think, obviously, we're, the back row has... The back row of the scrum has been addressed... Um, some huge, obviously, you know, that was the bulk of the signings when they, they announced the first group. I think if Parfrey's gone, um, you know, like if Parfrey's gone, your fullbacks are going to be, uh, again, assume, uh, assuming that they sign, your fullbacks would be Mirez and Souter again, um, with, you know, Mirez and Souter there, um, before, but like the previously the backup was, um, uh, you know, uh, Sean Windsor. Um, so Sean Windsor was there. He also played some fly half. I think that would be the, but ultimately I think that kind of leads to, if it is a similar, um, roster that comes back and you're not going to have Parfrey come back who did play fly half for a little bit. Um, Sam Malcolm at fly half, uh, needs, needs a backup. Um, that was the, that was one spot that, you know, they, really um you know sean windsor came in for a little bit and you know he, i he, he can play it he was really the one of the only, the few arrow players for the bulk of the year before parfrey showed up that really could play fly half and as a result obviously you know sam malcolm uh played a ton of minutes um the interesting thing though too is if, if you've been following the mitre 10 cup is sam malcolm's been playing fullback for the turbos um, but, you know, so it's nice to see that, you know, he can play multiple positions as well. But, um, I think, I think if you're looking at it, I think like the starting 15 for the arrows, um, especially if you're going to go under the, like, if, like we, we know, um, Mark Winokur has said that, you know, it's going to be about 80, you know, 80, 85% of the players are going to come back. Um, obviously there's going to be some additions and stuff to that, but I think if you were to just take what they had last year, um, and say like, what do they kind of need? I think like one of the areas I would say, would you, I would want to have addressed would be to, you know, provide, you know, a, a good backup for Sam Malcolm in the event of an injury or, you know, uh, in the event of an injury or something like that. Um, but maybe you have to go and target a guy that can play fly half and is also, you know, valuable in a different, you know, in a different role. Like, again, like a Pat Parfrey type um, that can kind of play multiple different positions on the back line. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, obviously, if Brower leaves, you're going to need another prop. That's a given um, on the front row. I like I like Ing and Quatrin as the hookers. I like Mitchell and Keith as your tight head props. Um, second rows, second rows are solid. Um, yeah. So I think, but yeah, I would go with get a backup for Sam Malcolm. Um, if you know, 
if like if part or uh, perfect sound might be leaving um if he does end up leaving i think that's going to be something that's going to need to be done is be addressed the, yeah a, yeah just to have that the depth the depth of the arrows and you just improve that because the starting 15 if most of those guys come back your starting 15 is going to be solid oh yeah um without a doubt without a doubt it's going to be solid it's you know when si- signing uh dana uh or manual dana um it's probably like it's your back row is insane already mm-hmm. uh, so i mean just it's you know and and that was with you know obviously you know Molazzo rumble like you know moonlight maybe isn't coming back either but it was like the back row last year was fantastic and the back row for next year is already being made better um so just kind of stick with that um you know um they used they did use peter malazzo a lot in the lineouts and stuff uh you know mike shepherd paul cialini they're not really the traditional jumping locks um so maybe that's something that you can target too is a player uh, you know, as a player that can provide that role, maybe that's, you know, same without, you know, Van Horns, um, they're, they're not all, they're 